Welcome to the Cover Crop Strategies Podcast. I'm Sarah Hill, Associate Editor. Today's program is brought to you by Yetter Manufacturing. I'd like to take a moment to thank Yetter Manufacturing for sponsoring today's episode. With a tradition of providing farmer solutions since 1930, Yetter Manufacturing is your answer for tools and equipment to face today's production agriculture demands. From many different designs of planter attachments for different planting conditions you may face, to several options of equipment for placing fertilizer and products to meet harvest time challenges, Yetter delivers the return on investment and tools to meet your equipment needs and maximize inputs. Find solutions to your challenges today at yetterco.com. That's Y-E-T-T-E-R-C-O.com. Today, I'd like to introduce Nathan Johanning, a commercial agriculture educator with the University of Illinois. Nathan will be talking about cover crops and soil quality. Welcome to the Cover Crop Strategies podcast, Nathan. Thank you, Sarah. I'm happy to be here today. To get us started, Nathan, will you tell us a little bit about yourself? As you said, I'm a commercial agriculture educator for the University of Illinois Extension. So I work in Southern Illinois in roughly in the St. Louis Metro East area and have uh, also a lot of uh, on-farm experience on our own home farm where we do use some cover crops and uh, no-till as well. So that's a little snippet of the experiences that I've had. I've also had a chance to work a lot in cover crop research and new varieties and other uh, planning techniques and things of those sorts. So I've uh, definitely tried to have a lot of infield experience while also have uh, you know studied cover crops and went to many programs and heard lots of great presentations on them that I've learned from. Fantastic. So let's go ahead and, and jump right in. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the soil health benefits that growers can achieve by using cover crops? Kind of a a basic starter question for us. Sure. Well, I mean, the benefits are very broad. I think the main thing I always look at is we are, for one thing, providing more living roots in the soil at different times of year that we would have versus other times that we would, you know, not have a crop growing there. And the other thing is by having more vegetative material growing, we're actually building the organic matter in the soil and that has tons of added benefits and which manifests manifests itself through a lot of different um, soil characteristics and changes in the soil when we add organic matter. So I think those at a very basic level would be where some of those benefits start to come in and then the associated benefits often are trickle downs from those those factors. Sure, sure. So let's talk about when growers are using cover crops to improve soil quality, what might be some challenges that they may come in contact with? Well, certainly the first challenge, if it's as a grower coming in from a a conventional tillage situation where they haven't used a lot of cover crops or maybe limited tillage systems, I think the biggest learning curve is making sure that you adjust to how you manage the crop and make sure your equipment is all appropriately adjusted and and outfitted to be able to handle, say, cover crop residue for no-till planting, or you have planting equipment, uh, you understand some of the nuances of termination, 
various things of those sorts, along with just understanding some of the different cover crops. They all have a different fit and different time of year where they thrive the best. So that is probably the, some of the biggest challenges at first is starting to understand all of that so you can still be successful in your cropping system while applying these principles to improve your soil. So um, let's talk specifically about how cover crops improve soil from a, a physical and biological standpoint. So physically, a lot of what goes on in the soil, you, uh, you have certainly lots of biomass produced uh, both above ground and below ground. And you know, that added carbon turns into organic matter as it decomposes. So that's a big factor. The other thing, especially with no-till and cover crops, is all of those cover crop roots help to aerate the soil. It kind of is, I guess you'd say like Mother Nature's aeration system to bring new pores into the soil. When the soil isn't disturbed, those old root channels basically are maintained in place. So that allows for um, exploration of your cash crop roots. Uh, they can use those root channels. It can also allow for lots of water infiltration and, and other things in those channels. Whereas when we do tillage, we destroy all of that. And then, um, you know, then we're kind of building a new, you know, within that tillage depth as far as the actual structure of the soil and some of the soil aggregates. So that's a little bit on, on some of the physical side, biological side, by having living roots at more times of the year, uh, some would call it even a green bridge that you're providing um, uh, a, a green root and living roots for soil microorganisms to thrive on at times of the year whenever their food sources would be fairly limited, especially when you think of wintertime and a lot of times not having a crop growing. You know, by having that, you have a, a, a bridge and something there, some green living roots and green plant material that can help them. And, and in addition to microbes, there's even uh, beneficial insects, ground beetles and other things that they have cover and habitat whereas they would not have that whenever we wouldn't have that living material there whenever our cash crop is not present. And you actually answered my next question, which was talking about uh, water capacity in the soil. So we're going to jump on to our, our next question, talking about do growers still get those soil health benefits that covers provide if they're used as part of a crop rotation or do growers have to use cover crops all year round to get those benefits? So, I mean, the biggest thing is having, uh, trying to fill in any blanks and times a year when you wouldn't have a cash crop out there and being able to put a cover crop in there. Certainly uh, in the area that I'm in, uh, we don't do as much say inner cover cropping or cover cropping into a standing crop, sometimes maybe a little bit late in the season, um, but our geography and weather, at least as, as far south as we are, doesn't lend us so far for us to have as good options with that as you do maybe further north. So, that one of the things I we just try to encourage people to do is to look to windows after harvest or between crops, depending on your cropping system, to put those in. So they certainly don't need to um, 
eliminate a cash crop necessarily. Some people will use that as kind of a, a, a fallow and that can be very beneficial, but that is not, uh, I don't think at this point, that's not where you have to go uh, immediately. But if there are uh, naturally fallow periods in your crop rotation, certainly cover crops are a great asset there for multiple uh, perspectives. So. so what about kind of a, a spin on that same question? Mm -hmm. Uh, what should growers use the same type of cover crops every year, or do they get more benefit to the soil health when they use a different cover crop species each year and, and kind of mix it up or, or even a cover crop mix? Sure. I think that there is definitely a lot of advantages to trying to add different species, certainly any cover crop that we're adding in those off seasons is gonna be beneficial. And there's certainly lots of challenges surrounding planting timing and, and other things that you know might naturally limit maybe at first, especially how many cover crop species a grower wants to put out. And I would much rather have a grower put out, you know, even just one or two different species throughout their crop rotation and be very successful and happy with it than to try to put out, you know, five or 10 different cover crops in some mixtures and feel either overwhelmed or have additional challenges. So that's kind of my, my starting thought. But when the bottom line, when we really look at the health of the soil, what we've found and a lot of things that I've seen with growers that have done this is that if we can add um, you know, different cover crops at different points in our crop rotation, or even maybe a mixture of a couple different, maybe you have some grasses and some legumes or some brassicas that are, you can mix in at different points in time, you're going to foster different soil biology and different soil microbes with different plants. So that is one aspect of trying to, uh, trying to add diversity is you can support different soil microbes by say maybe having a, uh, a grass cover crop versus a legume cover crop. And so the more diversity you add throughout that cropping rotation, th the more you can build that uh, those microorganisms in the soil. So I think that's that's kind of sums up my general thoughts on how to how to manage that. I do think that there's some some really beautiful looking mixes and can produce tons of biomass and lots of, of great things. And I would encourage people to look to that, but I always try, uh, I've talked to many beginning cover croppers and I feel like they instantly get very overwhelmed at times by this, this amount of cover crops. I say, you know, start off with just one cover crop in your rotation and be comfortable with that because all too often we see people that get um, maybe start faster than they can keep up with and they're comfortable with. And then that leads to frustration and maybe a bad taste in their mouth for something that, you know, we don't want. We want them to be, you know, successful with them and build on that success and not get overwhelmed early in their, uh, in their use of cover crops. Absolutely. And we've, we've heard that uh, advice a lot and that I'm glad to hear you reiterate that message for our listeners. Um, so in your experience, have you seen that there are certain cover crop species that are better at providing those soil health benefits than others? Uh, that's, to me, that's, that's kind of a challenging question because really every cover crop is, is, is quote, built differently in its capacity to do certain tasks. Um, 
we, there are some resources out there that can help to help you determine if these are some goals on your farm, what are some cover crops that would be a best fit? But overall, I, I don't think that I would say that there's any one species that can help with the, the health of the soil more so than another. Certainly the biggest things I would say is look at maybe some things that would add some diversity to whatever your crop rotation is uh, as a start, but then certainly drill down to, you know, what, what kind of goals do you have with those cover crops and given your geography and your soil considerations, and then look at some, um, look at some of the information that's out there from there. But I think any, green, you know, living uh, plant in the off season is going to give you some benefits, so. Okay, so um, let's, you kind of alluded to this earlier with your discussion about about the physical and biological properties of the soil, but let's, let's kind of dive a little deeper with that. Um, how do it cover crops uh, encourage earthworms to come to the soil and how then does earthworm numbers improve soil quality? So earthworms, of course, feed on a lot of, you know, dead and dying vegetation and are kind of our first phase of natural decomposers. So they're out, you know, foraging on, you know, that, that leaf litter and little pieces of residue and things. So the more cover and the more residue that we have out there, the more habitat they have. So quite simply, that is is one thing in and of themselves why that helps to drive earthworm populations. The other part that I think is maybe even a little more of indicative of that is by besides having a good habitat or food source, where we're doing a lot of cover crops, we're also usually limiting or have no tillage. And I think tillage is probably a, a fairly large, you know, detriment to the earthworm, you know, populations. Not that there won't be earthworms in a tilled field, but certainly um, they thrive in that no-till environment because they don't have that disturbance that, if nothing else, just kind of, you know, upsets their habitat whenever, uh, you know, whenever that tillage pass would happen to come through. So by having some extra think of extra food and you know a fairly sheltered environment, those populations can build fairly well. And I don't know that there's necessarily any one cover that they uh, prefer. Um, and this is just an observation. I know in fields that have had some of our, our oil seed or daikon radishes, especially in the spring when those radishes decompose, it's not hard at all to seemingly to find tons of earthworms around some of those radish carcasses. So that's that's certainly a uh, a thought that would uh, you know one example of an encouraging sign where those cover crops provide uh, some extra food source and habitat for that population. So how do they actually improve the soil quality? Their biggest their biggest improvement, of course, besides helping to break down and start that process to uh, creating added organic matter, is their soil aerators. All those earthworm channels are pores and ports in the soil to accept more water and to have added root growth and loosen the soil. Uh, and that's really one of their primary benefits. 
you know, with that, it's easy to think overall, we look at some no-till fields and they seem very firm, say even walking on them and other things, but that firmness doesn't necessarily mean that crop roots have a challenge growing in them. It means that that soil has a very good structure, just like say a, a very well-built house or, or barn or shed, it has really good structure to it. It doesn't mean that it doesn't have a purpose um, and that it can't still function, but it, uh, so don't be deceived in some of those fields that you think have been no-tilled or they feel very solid when you walk on them. Uh, sometimes even when you put a you know a shovel into them, uh, but when you open that up, oftentimes you'll find tons of earthworms and and other uh, and other things in there that will help to uh, you know loosen the soil naturally, even though we haven't uh, man hasn't gone through with, with any form of steel and, and loosen the soil. What about increasing carbon levels in the soil? What role do cover crops play in in helping increase that carbon level? I mean, the biggest factor is that the more plant material you have and the more biomass that you have produced, which is all carbon containing, you're providing a carbon-based food source for to basically build organic matter, which is is largely our, our main source of carbon in the soil. So the more the more plant biomass we can grow and return to the soil, we're not removing it as a as in any form of harvest. The more we have there, the more potential we have to then you know build that as organic matter and hold that carbon into our soil. So uh, in your experience, have you seen that cover crops are, are a better choice for growers who maybe are working on a smaller scale or can growers with you know, tens of thousands of acres still get those great soil health benefits that cover crops can provide? Uh, certainly, uh Starting off small, whether your farm is large or small, is great. I have seen and, and heard lots of growers on all scales that have successfully, you know, worked cover crops in even when you get into the thousands of acres. Um, but obviously, the larger the scale it gets, the the more work it takes and the more coordination to insert that field operation in on on multiple acres. But I think it can be done. Certainly, though. Uh, Starting off small or whether your farm is large or small is the best way to, you know, get into it. And therefore, of course, smaller farms might be quicker to maybe adapt to maybe, you know, almost completely cover cropped versus, say, a larger operation. So, When it comes to influencing soil quality, does the timing of planting cover crops matter? So, for example, would, would a grower get more cover crop? benefits for that soil if they intercede cover crops in June versus waiting until after harvest in, you know, October, late fall to plant those cover crops. Does does that influence soil quality? So I do think that planting timing does have uh, have some influences. So as I mentioned earlier, I don't, at least down here, we don't, I don't work quite as much with some of the interseeding, but uh, just from the perspective of fall planting, it's, the, the timing is really critical. You can, 
even a week or two's difference in timing of say crop harvest and, uh, and cover crop planting can greatly increase or decrease the amount of biomass and, and even just the visual results that you, you see from those cover crops. So certainly trying to get them out as soon as you can is, is good. We know I have some growers that uh, in certain situations, they're actually planting shorter season crops just to be able to get even a, a week or a few days earlier harvest so they can get their covers in a little bit earlier versus having uh, you know, a little longer season crop out there um, because they, they want that extra week or so that could be critical, especially depending on weather and rainfall to get a cover crop established earlier. Because you could even plant something on the middle of September and versus say even the first or middle of October. And even at those three different times, you could get three very dramatic different results depending on the weather and, and how that cover crop progresses. So even in that timing, certainly the sooner the better. Uh, however, I always remind people that uh, cereal rye is of course one that we will plant sometimes often late into you know October or even certainly through November uh, in our area. And oftentimes in that case, you won't see very much growth out of it in the fall. You don't, you may not even driving by even really notice it a whole bunch until a little later in the winter. But if you actually walk out in the field, you might see a plant that's maybe two inches tall. However, if you would take and dig up that plant, the root growth I think is, is really critical. Annual ryegrass is another one that sometimes when planted a little bit late, doesn't look like a lot. But what's going on below the soil is often more of what the story is at that point than what you see above. So don't ever discount a small cover crop from outward appearance. Um, it, it's probably doing a lot of good down below the soil, but our challenge, uh, our human nature is we don't see it. And so we don't always realize that benefit, but certainly timing is important. Uh, we don't we don't have as many of those intercrop systems. So that's where uh, certainly having things out in the growing season is important. I think for us, we tend to, to try to push growers to maybe concepts of planting green or leaving some of that cover crop grow a little bit further in the spring and then being able to have residue that's going into the season to help help our soil versus trying to plant something early and uh, say mid-season and having it trying to grow in the understory of that uh, of that canopy. But again, that's that's a, a very regional thing where we're uh, that kind of fits our cropping system and weather from from the research and what we know so far about cover crops. Okay, okay. So then, um, kind of on the other side of that coin, there are several choices that growers have for termination methods, and so. Likewise, how do those termination methods, uh, do they impact soil quality? I think that there are um, some impacts. I think the timing of your termination is probably even more important than how you terminate. I mean, I think for our area, the, one of the biggest strategies would be you can have uh, you know, a herbicide terminated cover crop, which is probably at this point still our, our most common form of termination versus uh, using a roller crimper. Those are at least two of the, the most common methods. And I think the, um, the end result is, is fairly similar, I think, especially when it goes to soil quality. Some growers, depending on the crop and cropping system, 
may like that cover crop laid out flat, maybe for help, uh, say, limit maybe uh, mouse or vole pressure, or maybe just to prevent it from shading a, a newly emerging crop or something like that. But as far as the health of the soil, I don't see there being um, a lot of different, say, in those, an example between those uh, methods of, of terminating a cover crop. Certainly, if you're using tillage, um, that that's a little different story because then you know incorporating that tillage, as we kind of talked, is while it is incorporating that residue, you're also disturbing the soil, and so that kind of can take you uh, maybe not give you as much of that direct benefit as you would uh, as you would have if you were no-tilling it and just leaving that residue. In talking with other growers, I've heard them mention that they want to capture as much sunlight as possible by using cover crops to do that. How does capturing that sunlight then translate to helping the soil? I think the biggest thing that I would see from that perspective is the more times of year that you are harnessing the power of the sun out on those acres, um, you are actively you know, that plant is growing and you are capturing carbon and basically building organic matter into those soils at different times of year where you wouldn't have anything growing or you wouldn't have any any uptake, any use of that, uh, that sunlight that would be growing any plant material. So even in some of the, the coldest days of winter, whenever we don't have nearly as much sunlight as we do during the summer, you're still gaining a lot of benefits and, and over time, you know that cover crop is is helping to build the soil so you're you're using you're harnessing that sun's energy to basically fuel that soil and build cover build carbon into there through those cover crops okay great so if growers invest in the long term in using cover crops what are some of the benefits they will see in their soil quality over the long term? And, and I'm talking like three years, five years, 10 years out. Sure. I think the, the biggest thing that you start to see is for your soil uh, is you'll start to see, especially the, the top of the, the top layer of the soil will, uh, will tend to loosen some, um, especially whenever you, go through and uh, say planting methods and you'll see the the planter goes through even in in the season um, even in a season where it's a little bit wet all that organic matter helps to uh, just loosen the soil and give it better tilth so I am even amazed at say how well a, a planter will close a seed slot sometimes on a little bit of a little damp soil but that's been no-tilled and has lots of years of organic matter through cover crops on it. Uh, so that's just one aspect, you know, that that soil will start to, uh, it will mellow out and, and will also, um, it'll handle moisture a little better, which a lot of it goes back to the, those organic matter influences. Some cases even you'll start to notice you don't get the, the crusting as badly as you would on um, on some of our, our tillage fields where we have a very clean tilled, uh, you know, some would say, you know, very pretty looking field is in the soils all level and clean the vegetation. But a lot, some of our soil types can also crust very badly. And that, that soil crusting tends to decrease as we, as we start limiting our tillage and bringing in or, more organic matter as well. So I think those are, are some of those 
those first things that you really start to see. But as you mentioned, you know, it really is a long-term benefit. This isn't something that you see in those first few years. Um, and a lot of times, uh, the other thing to look at is if you have an opportunity to either take a, a deeper soil core or even have a soil pit dug at your farm for some reason to to look at the soil profile you know you can see a lot of improvements and see where you're you're getting organic matter deeper into the soil by those decomposing roots so that's another factor that you're you're adding depth to the the rooting zone of your soil for your cash crop so i think those are things that that you see in a longer term uh, especially as you get five and ten years and, and beyond that and you kind of have alluded to this a couple times in, in some of your other responses, but, um, you know, a lot of times growers may not understand that the cover crops might be working below that soil surface, but what might be some indicators that cover crops are improving the soil? Sure. Uh, you know, some of the things I, I even just mentioned about the, um, the the ease with which you know say a, a planter will go through the the soil and, and you know those crusting and things especially as you look maybe historically with some you know how it you know looked five or ten years prior um some other things that you can see and get a snippet in the soil is just uh, you know take a spade out sometime on a, on a nice spring day and, and look you know take a spade up a chunk of soil and, and see if you can find some earthworms in there and a lot of times um, you actually be fairly surprised at what you can, you know, find in that soil or maybe how easy that spade might go into the soil compared with uh, with the, how it maybe had been previously. Um, some other things as you get into the system is uh, whenever there is moist conditions, how well uh, equipment can travel across the field because of that increased soil structure. Whereas you maybe were used to be cutting pretty big ruts after a given rainfall event, how that soil is a little more durable and actually able to, to handle things better. Still, of course, you, especially in no-till situation, you, you don't wanna cut ruts in it, but, but that soil can support uh, often support the load of some of our large equipment better than what it would in some of our tilled conditions. So those are just, uh, you know, a, a few things uh, that I see. Um, certainly the, um, also if you have a cover crop out, sometimes looking at some of the beneficial insects, um, you know, some of them are, uh, take a little more challenge to maybe identify, but ladybugs are probably one of the ones in the spring on cover crops that are easy to see and, uh, you know, a known beneficial and sometimes even some of our pollinators on some uh, on some covers you'll see. So those are just a few other uh, sideline observations that growers can make about, you know, what's going on in their field and, and maybe how these cover crops have maybe changed, especially looking at it from maybe years prior. Okay, great. Where can our listeners go for more information about using cover crops to improve soil quality? I think one of the best places to go for some good cover crop information is through the Midwest Cover Crop Council. I'm actually a part of that council as a representative from Illinois, uh, contributing information. Uh, and they have a great website filled with information, including a selector tool to help navigate when to plant a certain cover crop and also gives a good job of listing a lot of their goals in addition to listing different events that are coming up for cover crops and other programs 
and then even a lot of that is all state specific and even county specific for some of that information along with other fact sheets and local research. So that website is just www.mccc.msu.edu. Fantastic, a great resource for sure. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Nathan. We really appreciate having you on our podcast. No problem, I'm uh, happy to share. Well, for more information for all things cover crops, visit us online at covercropstrategies.com.